0: Both of us, um, Justin especially, but we were both uh, personally bankrupt. And if the company failed, we were both going to have to file for personal bankruptcy. Um, And, you know, I mean, those are the types of risks you kind of have to take just to, you know, buy me another three months, you know, and maybe it'll turn by then and
1: Welcome, everybody, to the Making the Brand podcast. My name is Billy Draper. I'm a venture capitalist at Draper Associates, but on this show, we're going to be talking about brands. We'll talk to founders and leaders of growing consumer companies that are finding ways to stand out, differentiate, and delight their customers. On today's show, we talk to Doug Boughton, co-founder and president of Halo Top Ice Cream. He teaches us how a five-year-old ice cream startup started by rec basketball teammates can grow to challenge the big dogs. We are here on this episode of the Making the Brand podcast with a very special guest, Doug Boughton, um, who is the co-founder and president of Halo Top Ice Cream. I'll let him sort of speak to what Halo Top is, what Halo Top does, uh, the brand and the customers, and but we, I'd love to sort of get right into it. First of all, Doug, thank you so much for for joining the pod.
0: Yeah, you got it. Thanks for having me, Billy. Happy to uh, happy to be here.
1: So, first of all, give us the sort of uh, elevator pitch. What What is Halo Top? Yeah, I guess in its um, simplest
0: form, and, and before Halo Top, this was an oxymoron, and, and uh, people would kind of laugh you out of the room. But it's essentially a healthy ice cream that actually tastes great. Um, nobody believed you. Um, nobody believed us at least back in the day, but if you can, you know, execute on that brand promise, um, you know, sky's the limit. So, but yeah, at its, at its highest level, that's essentially what it is. And how did you get into the ice cream biz? Yeah. So that's a, an interesting question. I, um, my business partner, Justin Wolverton, he he's founder and CEO and I'm a president and COO. Um, he, uh, so he we were both attorneys. Uh, we met in a lawyer basketball league. So, you know, high level of, uh, of competition there.
1: Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before we go on, I need to know. Do you remember what your team name was in the rec basketball league? It was it was actually just straight up pickup. So it was oh, just a, OK. It was a
0: bunch of lawyers from like two or three different law firms. And we would just go. I think it was every Tuesday at this gym um, just outside of downtown L.A., and we just play for like two, three hours until everybody got tired. Um, and
1: what? And what usually, about your games? Would you? Is there? Could you compare your game and Justin's game to NBA players?
0: Yeah, I'd say I'm. I'm probably LeBron for sure. Um, <laughs> I think you know Justin might be, uh, yeah, Bimbo Cools know. or something. Yeah, exactly. He'd probably tell you he's Russell Westbrook. So uh, <laughs> he's a UCLA guy, so he loves Russ. Yeah, um, I'm a, I'm a brewing myself. There you go. Um, but no, man, so we, we just met on the basketball court um, pretty much as soon as I moved out to L.A. Um, and we were friends for a year or two. Um, as it turns out, both of us hated practicing law at the law firm. Um, I might have hated it slightly more than he did. <laughs> um, and yeah, I was quitting one day. Um, I, I actually still remember the conversation. We were warming up on the basketball court. Um, I told him I was done uh, you know, what are you going to do next? No, I don't know. Don't care. I'll figure it out kind of thing. And then he told me that he had, um, essentially created uh, healthy ice cream that actually tastes good. And I said, yeah, I don't believe you. <laughs> um, and you know, he, he let me try it and he had already brought it to market. He was already in a number of stores. Um, but it was kind of getting s- so big that he needed to, um, to bring on a business partner to help him uh, grow it and scale it. So, um, it was kind of, you know, right time, right place for me. And, um, you know, it's, it's really been a, uh, just a great match for both of us. I think we, we work the same. Um, you know, we both have the same work ethic. Um, and I think all of that, I think choosing your business partner um, in any endeavor is probably the single most important thing you can do. And um, yeah, I, I just feel very fortunate that
1: it, it's worked out for us. And um, it's been a really great thing. So when did he decide to leave the law firm and take it on full time? So he actually,
0: so he started the, he, he created the recipe. I think the company was actually formed in like late 2011. Okay. And it was probably a year plus of R and D where he, he took it from literally his home kitchen where, you know, he just wanted to eat it for himself and create a whole pint that he could eat and not hate himself for it. Um, And looked at things like Greek yogurt and uh, those trends and, and realized like, Hey, you know, this is, there's actually a market out here for this. Like maybe this could be a a business in its own right. Um, And, but long story short is he, I actually left the law firm first. He was still with the law firm. I mean, they, they pay you well. And that, that was kind of how largely how he bootstrapped this thing. Um, You know, until we, we both essentially ran out of money and had to go raise some from friends and family. But yeah, it was, it was bootstrapped for the first couple of years. Um, And then, like I said, once both of our, credit cards were maxed and checking accounts were empty um uh, we had to go raise some money from friends and family so how did you did you just not take pay early on oh yeah we didn't um i I think the first i joined in early 2013 and I, i don't think we probably the first salary we took was in 2014. we raised money for the first time we raised money twice we did a round in 2013 that closed in September and around in 2015 that closed in September. Both times were friends and family um, and everything like that. Um, How
1: did you – I want to hear about that pitch. How did you pitch your friends and family? Say, you know, were your friends and family just so proud you were leaving the law firm to go make ice cream?
0: It's kind of hit or miss. Um, we, we laugh about it to this day. We've got plenty of uh, – plenty who said no, who it's kind of – you know, we don't – we certainly don't rub it in their face or anything like that, but it's just, you know, it's funny when they, they'll come back to you now and be like, Oh, I should have invested. And we're like, yeah, yeah, you should have, you know? Um,
1: yeah, I'm not surprised.
0: Yeah, no, it was, I think a lot of people were, were fired up by it. Um, at the time we first raised money, the the product itself, um, wasn't what it is today. We, we reformulated a number of times, um, uh, from that formulation and we rebranded too. So early on, we had a different uh, packaging that that wasn't what the packaging is today. And th- we can get into that, but those were kind of two, the reformulation and the rebranding um, at the times we did them were kind of two of the most critical things we point to as to how we got here today. Um,
1: yeah. So speak to that a little bit. We can, I mean, let's get into that now. So how do you, how did, what were you called before? Um, what caused the rebrand and how do you Attribute sort of a change in consumer behavior to the rebrand. How are you? You said you give credit to the rebrand. What what exactly happened?
0: Yeah. So I think basically the um, uh, the original product formulation uh, was really great if you got it directly off the production line. But once it goes through the frozen supply chain and gets beat up left and right, the end the end customer experience often wasn't great. It, It would you know, have heat shock and shrinkage, and it would be chalky and not smooth and creamy. Um, So that was the product side. So Justin spent over a month, um, uh, you know, with a a PhD dairy scientist, um, a consultant, and he basically ran hundreds, if not thousands of tests over a four to five week period, essentially went into a hole and, and couldn't be contacted, but came out of that with Um, probably our most drastic reformulation that really made it more resilient through the supply chain and and perform, uh, with taste and texture much more like just ice cream. Um, so you didn't have to compromise as much. So that was number one. Um, before that, we didn't really have the customer retention we do now, where you really do have that kind of Eureka. Oh my God, experience, uh, when you first try the product, like how can something be this good, uh, with the nutritional profile it has, um. And then the branding, that's an interesting one is the, you know, that's, that's your billboard on shelf. And in 2013, when we started um, the packaging, you can actually, you can Google it and find it, but it it was, we have so many selling points in terms of, you know, it's low calorie, it's low sugar, it's high protein, it's kosher, it's gluten-free, it's high fiber, you know, you can get lost. And the packaging was just too cluttered and it kind of said nothing. You know, you try to say everything, you say nothing. Um, and you know we cleaned it up and we said look we want to make this minimalist and we want the packaging to just scream what it is which was healthy ice cream um and so obviously we we decided to go with the big calorie call out on the front um and then we had a debate um what should be kind of the second tier call out and we ended up going with protein um which you can see on the bottom right but um yeah since then um we basically did the we were kind of hanging on by a thread in 2013 2014 even a little bit in 2015 2015 is when the new packaging, new formula got on shelves, and we finally started to see not the hockey stick growth, but some, you know, decent, we weren't cash flow positive by any means, but just some decent growth um, year over year, month over month. Um, And then in 2016, early 2016, uh, we got two big PR pieces back to back, a, a GQ article and a BuzzFeed article. And that's when the real snowball and hockey stick started. And that, that put millions of eyeballs on the product. And from there, it was kind of word of mouth and our, our tried and true um, digital social targeted uh, marketing strategies that we finally had some cash to really funnel behind and, and hit the hit the
1: accelerator. And how did you come up with the? How did you decide to switch the name from Eden to Halo Top?
0: Yeah, so um, Justin can tell you the story, too, but it, it's not... Uh, you know, it'd be fun if this was like, Hey, we, we went to the desert and, you know, had some peyote and, you know, had all but it's, it's nothing, uh, it's nothing like that. It's as simple as, um, uh, Eden creamery. Uh, we realized very, uh, very early on, uh, with our legal backgrounds that Eden foods is one of the biggest natural food companies in the world. And beyond that, they're extremely litigious, um, about their name and they sue anything and everything that tries to say Eden. So, um, That coupled with uh, we actually got a seasoned assist letter uh, from another big company um, that said, hey, your logo essentially looks and feels like our logo. Um, And we looked at it and not only did we not have the money to put up a fight, but we also said, you know what, it it is kind of similar. So we just kind of took that as an opportunity to to rename and rebrand all together. And the Halo Top name, Eden, was four letters. So it started as Halo, which was four letters. Uh, We had the gold lid on the top, which is kind of like the halo top. Um, and yeah, basically Justin thought halo creamery was you know, not not nearly as punchy. And so we just came up with halo top because of the top. It was seven letters, 855 halo top was available, you know, kind of the star, the stars aligned. But like I said, it's not a, there's, there's no great story behind that one.
1: Right, That's a, I mean that's a case where you brought meaning to the brand, because now people just have so much brand loyalty to wow. Halo Top Ice Cream, and I think a lot of it just people think of this name as a brilliant name, but really, you know, it's fun to hear that you you essentially just were coming up with a good four letter name. Yeah. Um, and it, but it well, it worked out. It's a fun one to say, easy to remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and how did you come up with your first ice cream flavor? Yes, I guess this might have been a little bit more. Uh, I guess you said Justin had some stuff on shelves beforehand, but what, what was the first flavor and how did you guys concoct it?
0: So there were four flavors, um, and this was before I joined, so Justin did these. But he did the classics, vanilla, chocolate, strawberry. And then the fourth flavor, uh, which became kind of a really uh, a cult classic for us, especially early on, was lemon cake. Um, the idea there is our, our base is very kind of cakey or cheesecakey, um, And I don't even like lemon things, but it, it, it's just kind of a subtle lemon Uh, flavoring on top of it. And it it was really, really good. Um, but yeah, it was kind of like do the three classics and then have one kind of funky flavor, um, was the thinking, but those were the original four vanilla chocolate, strawberry, and then lemon cake.
1: And, and I'm, and that was just based on his preference and flavor profile and, and what tasted good, I imagine. Yeah.
0: I mean, the most, the, the three classics where we, you know, let's, let's not mess around, you know, I'm sure he, right. Let's try to get it, you know, things that will sell. Um, and then the other one, you know, that's kind of a branding play, and What our our brand has become is, you know, let's be, you know, new and innovative and, and, you know, anti-corporate and, um, all that, all that good stuff. So that, that's kind of how it started to be honest, you know, with this lemon cake flavor.
1: And what do you think this is a, a product, um, you know, without disclosing any numbers, this is a product that has insane customer loyalty. You can tell, just when you see it on the on the shelves at the grocery store, um, I have heard of friends um, and friends of friends requesting to requesting their local sort of purveyor to carry mm-hmm. it. Um, what do you think has resonated so much with your customers?
0: Well, I would say it starts first with the product. Um, I think you got to deliver on the brand promise that I spoke about earlier. So if we can execute on that promise, um, and if we can do it time and time again. Um, I think everybody has that oh my god experience. Like I can eat a whole pint of ice cream and not hate myself, but you know, it's all. It also doesn't taste like punishment. Usually, you know, who who likes to eat a salad? You know, you you do it, but you know, I'd much rather have a burger. Um, So I think if you can actually deliver on that time and time again, and, and if your quality continues to trump the marketplace. Um, I think that's key and everybody will, will, will want to tell everybody else about that and demand it. Um, and then the second part I think is, is what we've done on the, the marketing or communication side and really our brand voice. And, um, you know, we, we, we've, we've spent a lot of time and, and we've brought that all in house. Like we don't, we don't outsource any of this. And we respond to, um, literally to, to today, still to date, we respond to ourselves, um, in house at, just about every comment we get. Um, And we try to do it authentically where we're actually, you know, engaging with the customer and speaking just like you and I are speaking today, not, you know, a a cookie cutter corporate response that you copy and paste a hundred times for, you know, a hundred different comments. Um, And and I think that, you know, that, that gives the brand personality that, that, you know, they know they're real people behind this brand and it's not (laughs) some big corporate multinational that, like I said, just has, you know, basically a robot copy and pasting the, these canned responses. I think that that really matters when it comes to uh, to loyalty.
1: Have you taken the customer feedback and sort of created any new flavors based on customer requests, or um, changed the formula based on customer requests? What kind of what kind of inputs do the customers have to the brand?
0: Hundred um, percent. We listen to everything. Um, we aggregate all that data. Um, we count, so we know. Um, Every two weeks, we count them up and we say, all right, what's the most popular flavor request? What are the most popular um, uh, product requests? Like, what are the most common complaints? Like, how can we improve the product? So we're constantly listening and, and trying to improve and, and formulate, you know, what people want. Um, and again, and then we'll, we'll mix in some of our own funky stuff, too. So, you know, one of our most requested flavors was probably something coffee-esque. So we came out with the caramel macchiato, which we thought was um, a great flavor. But then we also came out with the pancakes and waffles, which is, you know, that's again, that's kind of the Halo Top brand is you we've got a lot of the the kind of core flavors,
1: but also these really unique flavors that really a lot of nobody else has but us. Um, and you, so you mentioned it was a little bit of an uphill battle from 2013, 2014, you know, started to see moments, shining moments in 2015 what was the moment where you realized this is working? Was there a particular moment where you realized this is going to be massive?
0: As big as it's gotten, probably not. But let me, let me just speak. When that PR came in January 2016, Justin and I speak about this all the time. Um, we both were tracking web hits daily, uh, revenue and sales daily. And man, we were like, is this real? is this happen? You know, we would like double month over month and double month over month and double month. And we were like, Oh my God, like, can we actually take like a living wage salary where we could, you know, God forbid, save a little bit of money or something, you know, pay down some credit card debt. Um, and, uh, yeah, and that was it. So it was, you know, it was probably February of 2016, March of 2016, April, I think. And we said, look, if April continues to trend upward, like February and March did, at that point, we're going to say, okay, this is real. This is happening. Like we are on, you know, we are on this exponential hockey stick growth curve and and we're going to, you know, strap on in and, and, you know, really since then it's been, you know, how do you, how do you keep this train on the tracks? It's, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful problem to have, but man, the, the growth, um, all kinds of issues and strains on, you know, everything from supply chain to, you know, how do you hire fast enough? Um, and, and, and we love it. it's, it's, it becomes a lot more fun when, you know, you you, you don't have to cut your salary and, and you're not contemplating what happens when the, the money, the, the company runs out of money. You know, th- those are really, really stressful, really dark times. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really happy that we, we and proud that we made it out to the other side of that. But it, it is it, it was not some it, it wasn't destined to happen. You know, we we, we caught a lot of lucky breaks um, and I think we made the most of them. But, you know, we there's ten different times we could each point to in our our company's history where we I
1: wouldn't be here talking to you today. Um, were there any were, were there any points where you and Justin looked at each other like, "Hey, maybe this isn't worth it." You know, maybe we should get back and and beg for our our legal jobs back, say, or or were you or were you sort of in it to I'll win say that?
0: two things there. Um, we always said, even in the darkest days, we'd look at each other and we'd say, it's one, it's really nice to have somebody, you know, Misery Loves Company. It's really great to have somebody in the trenches with you who, who is, knows what you're experiencing and going through and you can talk to. But we would always say in our darkest days, on our worst days at Halo Top, uh, we're still infinitely better than our best days at the law firm. Um, but the second thing I will say is when we raised money in September of 2015 is when we closed on that round. And that probably would have lasted um, about 15 months, so it would have lasted until the end of 2016. And at the time, we were not cash flow positive yet, so we still were burning through cash on a monthly basis. And we said it's too painful to raise money; we're not going to raise money again. So that was that was kind of our last shot, and that's why a lot of this is, you know, serendipity or serendipitous uh, when you think about it. Is um, you know, we really were. We're, our tanks were running close to empty with, with how much we had put into it. And we said we got one year left before our cash runs out. And if this thing hasn't turned by then to cash flow positive, you know, we're going to, we're going to, who knows what we're going to do, to be honest. But, um, and then right at the start of 2016 is when we got that PR and the, the hockey stick growth started. So it was, um, you know, timing is everything, I guess. But that, that's one of those things we look back at and we say, man, if, it, it, I don't know if we could have hung on for another year. Uh, waiting for that you know so we're we're just fortunate it happened when it did
1: so gq and buzzfeed is the is the cocktail you'd recommend i mean they were
0: it was back to back within like one week of each other and both articles were like i mean they couldn't have been written better as far as we we didn't even know they were coming um the gq one came out of nowhere. And yeah, we we had no idea it was coming, Um, and it hit. And it was—I don't know if you've read it, but it's this guy Shane, who Shane ate nothing but Halo Top for ten days, which we do not recommend. It's not, but he wrote this like really tongue-in-cheek, funny article about like what it's like to eat nothing but Halo Top for ten days, which again, not recommended. Um, But it was this really well-written, funny article that, even if you're not in the ice cream industry, you, you know I. I just think lay people would want, it. it's, it's a catchy article. It's a, a, a catchy headline. And I, I think it's, it's an interesting article to read whether or not you're in ice cream, if that makes sense. Um,
1: but that really puts on that. And I, I haven't read it and I certainly will, but how, and how you guys brought it in some ways, you know, your consumer understands what ice cream is and, and what a pint of ice cream looks like and how to eat it. So there's not much education needed there, but you, we're also bringing an entirely different product to the market. So how did you think about pricing it?
0: Yeah, I guess we kind of looked, uh, we wanted to be premium priced. Um, we, we knew we were offering a product that had, you know, really top shelf ingredients and also the um, health profile that, you know, people pay a premium for. But also we looked at some brands and we didn't, we didn't want to sell a $12 pint. That's insane. So we, we wanted to be, I guess I would say, slightly higher than a Ben & Jerry's, um, but you know so that we can still you know so people can still afford us um everywhere Uh, because that's the goal is to you know get get our our pints everywhere we can get them and and have them be affordable um but at the same time we didn't want to sell a 12 dollar pint so um yeah early on that was kind of the thinking although uh (laughs) it was very fluid to say the least um and you kind of um you know we started in the natural accounts too like whole foods and sprouts where you know you can price a bit higher um and then as you get into the Kroger's and uh, of the world, you kind of, you know, you have to come down a little bit, um, but that, that's that been one of the the more, um, uh, the more striking things or I don't know how you, the more interesting things about our story is uh, retailers were so accustomed to selling, uh, you know, ice cream for one ninety nine a pint that they didn't realize themselves that you could actually, you know, you could sell a lot of ice cream at four or five, even $6 a pint. And. Um, You didn't need to depress the price of the category. So it was really a learning curve for us and retailers and continues to be um, because there's always price pressure. Um, But you you try to find that balance of, hey, you know, here's the optimal price point for everybody, retailers included. And um, yeah, it's just that has been a really interesting piece of the story.
1: Do you, do you and Justin have any sort of fun way that you secure your secret formula? Like you have to turn two keys or you, each of you only know three of the ingredients. (laughs) Not,
0: not quite, you know, we're not KGB, uh, um, (laughs) I mean, we're, you know, it's, it's the Coke formula kind of thing. You know, we, it's a, a, it's our most important trade secret and we, um, we protect it very closely. Um, we don't, um, we don't actually don't, it's only on a thumb drive. We don't allow it on the cloud. Um. So yeah, we I mean we we try to do as much common sense things as we can, and and we've tried to learn and, and study. You know what what does a Coke or another company like that? What do they do? Um, because you know we don't need to reinvent the wheel here. Um, it's just a matter of you know what are the best practices to protect it. But no, we don't. It's not it's not KGB level. Like you need you need both of us to uh, to unlock it, and you know retina scans and everything else. It's it's not like.
1: There's Yeah, there's some joke to be made about cold storage right now. I just don't have it that off the top. Um, yeah, so, well, that's, I, that's pretty – It's that's a little cagey, you know, not – you know, air-gapped computers, not connecting it to the internet. I think that's, I think that's wise. And now you're seeing – I've read a few articles about, you know, the big brands starting to come after you. You know, um, Halo Top has come up with a way to cut 80% of the calories out of a pint of ice cream. And now you see your competitors coming out with similar offerings, you know, um, 300 calories in a pint, 250 calories in a pint. You've moved from playing offense where, hey, we're building out this category. We're the first to market. We've come up with this incredible formula. And now you have to shift to a little bit of defense. How do you deal with the big brand competition and and the gloves starting to come off?
0: (laughs) Um, yeah, there, there's definitely, you know, every week another Me Too comes out in terms of um, the competition. And I, I, honestly, the the thing we probably do most is just focus on what we do. I, I, I fundamentally believe if if our product quality always wins, if our product, you know, if we win on taste, texture, nutritionals, um, and, and I know our brand can continue to win, then I, I really think that's more important than, than worrying so to speak about the other guys and that's not to say trust me we don't underestimate anybody and, and we've we have taken plenty of defensive measures in, in terms of of you know how do we fortify our position now um that we have all this all these me too's coming at us um and so there's plenty we do there but again the the, the focus as long as we don't lose focus of of what got us here and again that's you know when you compare us in a blind taste test, we should win hands down objectively uh, when it comes to product taste and quality against anybody. As long as we can continue to win on that, then I think that's the most important thing.
1: And tell me about your day-to-day now. So how, how big is your team uh, now? So
0: we're up to almost, it's crazy. Uh, we are up to almost 100 employees. And that's in, honestly, about a, a 12-month period. We went from a handful of us might have been five or six to uh, close to a hundred now, um, uh, which is crazy. So, yeah.
1: And are they in? And they're distributed amongst Los Angeles and Chicago. Uh, you know,
0: the mothership is is L.A., Southern California. So we we probably have a good eighty to eighty five there, and then we, you know, Chicago is about ten or fifteen. Um,
1: and how did you decide to head up the Chicago office?
0: Yeah, that's a. Well, I met a girl. I mean, that, that's always the story, right? So <laughs> I, uh, I was out in LA for five plus years, um, met my now wife. She was in Chicago. Her family's here. Um, and, you know, I can work from anywhere. It's actually, Chicago is more centrally located for, for sales and operations uh, anyways, which, which are two of the things I focus on. Um,
1: At least that's where you told Justin.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I had to tell him, Hey, I met a girl, I'm going to Chicago. I guess we're going to open up a, a Chicago office, so to speak. But, um, you know, we, it, it's all remote based, so we don't actually don't have, um, I'm out in LA at least once a month, uh, anyway. So I, it's essentially splitting time, but yeah, we don't have like a, a central office right now for, um, everybody to go to. We, we essentially, um, we're trying to kind of strike that balance between, you know, both flexibility, but also accountability and, and the team camaraderie and, and all of that good stuff. Um, and people seem to want to meet, you know, probably at least once a week in person. Um, and that that's, you know, once or twice a week in person seems to be the sweet spot where we'll, we'll grab a a conference room or a co working space, um, and and try to all get together uh, in Chicago or, or LA. Um, and that's been working so far now. Look, when we're a thousand employees, who knows? That's that's a whole different um, infrastructure. But um, for now, there, there's no centralized office. We largely just use kind of co-working spaces to um, to meet once a week. Um, that's
1: do- incredible. You hear you, you don't hear too many success stories of of distributed teams or working from home or um, anything like that. You're hearing more and more now. You hear about media companies that that make it work, and and in your case it you know you are a food company um and you continue to develop uh, new ingredients and new products but once you sort of line up your co-packer and line up your distributor you become a, a marketing company is that has that sort of been the shift
0: well yeah i mean you're exactly right we we third part we use third parties to manufacture to store to ship um and yeah, largely what the, you know, we manage the whole process, don't get me wrong, but yeah, largely the company is, it's a brand and it's a, a you know, marketing and sales company. Um, and that's what we do best. So, um, you know, we're not manufacturers at heart and, um, you know, it's just trying to find the key partners and key relationships to make sure, um, you know, it runs like a well, well-oiled machine. Um
1: But yeah, Yeah, I I think you're, I think you're doing it right. You're, you're scaling like a tech company scales in terms of sales, in terms of number of customers. It's absolutely incredible what you've done. And I think you're rewriting the playbook.
0: That's a really interesting um, way to think about it is I guess the tech company. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I've thought about it until you said that, but yeah, I mean, that's an interesting way to think about it. We just kind (laughs) of, you know, I don't, I don't think we ever think or, or presume to be writing a playbook. We just try to do what makes sense in the context of our brand and and the company. And really it's all about efficiency. You know, we, we, there's so much work to be done and it's just, you know, how do you do it effectively, efficiently? Um, And, you know, let's not waste time. You know, let's not, we we don't need to do X, Y, Z just because that's the way it's been done before. Let's actually ask why it's done that way. And is there a better way to do it? And we try to do that with everything, including um, kind of the workplace environment.
1: And what do you believe? So you know, taking all your learnings and your and your wisdom and of building a giant, giant food company, what do you believe the most important thing about building a brand is for anyone out there, sort of thinking about getting into into the consumer space in any category?
0: For sure. Well, let me again. Let me start by saying, uh, <laughs> I wish I had a, a formula, a playbook, or anything, but a, a lot of this. You got to attribute to right time, right product. Um, so, I mean, I think before it, it is so hard and painful uh, at times uh, before you know you turn cash flow positive that I, I think you got to look yourself in the mirror many times and, and make sure whatever service or product uh, you're offering is kind of is worth the time and effort that it'll take um, to try to make it a company. Because again, as As great as people say Halo Top is and um, all of that stuff, you know, we 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 couldn't we might not be here. Um, And I I really, really mean that. I'm not just saying that there's so many times in the company. We were not destined to get here and it it was uh, really, really hard at times. And and we got a lot of lucky breaks. And if we didn't get those lucky breaks, we uh, we wouldn't be here talking. So, uh, again, I I think there's there's a lot of learnings to be had. And how do you make the most out of those lucky breaks and how do you extend cash is gold, right? Especially when you're not cash flow positive. You know, how do you make your dollars last as long as possible before you have to either raise money again or, you know, go belly up? Um and you know, I, I think that's where we were extremely careful with our money and we both of us, um, Justin especially, but we were both uh personally bankrupt. And if the company failed, we were both gonna have to file for personal bankruptcy. Um and You know, I mean that those are the types of risks you kind of have to take, just to you know buy me another three months. You know, and maybe it'll turn by then. And um, so I guess yeah, that's that's kind of what I know. I'm I'm talking a stream of consciousness and rambling a bit, but that's kind of I wish there was some some magic sauce that that I could that I could give people, but it's it's really not that. It's um, you know right product, right time, and then just being really really careful and smart um,
1: with your decisions and your money uh, when you get. Uh, the breaks that you'll inevitably get. And, and what's next for the brand? What's next for you? Are you, do you want to grow this, um, you know, to, to, to be compete with the big, the big dogs out there, or do you want to, are you looking to sell the business at some point? How do you think about an exit? How do you think about what, what does success look like for you in in 10 or 15 or 20 years?
0: Sure. Um, like I say, number one is we, (laughs) I can't tell you what, what it looks like in the next year, much less 10. So we, we definitely narrow our focus, um, to, Hey, what do the next three months or at most 12 months look like? Um, and to us, I think it, 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 number one, we're finally having fun. You know, it, it, once you, once you get through those dark days, you, you really appreciate just how, how fun it is. Um, you know, when you, you, you can hire employees and you can, you know, have a proper company, so to speak. Um, so we're, we're having a lot of fun right now and we're going to just kind of keep focusing on what we do best. And, you know, at, at our core, we're an ice cream company. So, you know, we're going to continue to innovate, um, within that category. Um, we're going to continue to, to focus on a a new products like non-dairy and new concepts like our, our brick and mortar scoop shops that we launched that have, um, soft serve. Um, so we, we think we have a lot of, um, we have a great starting point with our dairy pints and and with kind of the natural extensions into the scoop shop and the non-dairy and uh, of course international. Um, We think that's uh, where the focus will be. And it's, it's all about, you know, how do we, how do we get our pints to um, to everybody that that would be in the market for them? And I think we're still, the crazy thing is, I think we're still missing. I think there's a lot of people who still we do brand awareness studies and everything. And there's a lot of people who still don't even know we exist. So that's a great opportunity for us to, um, you know, how do, who are those customers and how do we get in front of them and, and make them aware uh, that we
1: exist and what we are. So you uh, publicly, you've you grew the company, you know, something like 20x in 2016. You grew it at a crazy rate again in 2017. I think I have the next big idea to get you to to keep the growth rate up. Talk to me. Let's put this in the pipeline. What do you got? All right, so we're so I'm looking at the cont- container here. We got we got the golden tops. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you ever seen a little movie called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? <laughs>
0: I have, I have.
1: Yeah, whole movie based on the premise that there's a golden ticket in one of the pints. <laughs> did you did you
0: know Did you know we did something like this? No, oh God! You already did it. So
1: I can't take credit for this for this growth. Well,
0: let me let me tell you how this idea played out. Um, we uh, in June of 2017, which was the five year anniversary of the when we sold our first pint, which was June 2012. We took uh, we have these heat seals under the lid. If you're familiar, they're also gold. Um, And what we did, you know, kind of a la Willy Wonka, was we created uh, five winning tickets under the heat seals. And if you pulled back the heat seal and and you got one of these winning tickets, um, man, it was a a great gift. I think you got an all-expenses-paid trip to Hawaii for two um, and, you know, a a swag bag and all that good stuff, too. Um, And it might have even been like a year's worth of ice cream. But, um, man, executing that at the time a lot of people, there was only one, I think we ended up putting about 12 out on the market because people just kept throwing them out without looking for them. (laughs) Yeah. So it ended up being a classic bust, um, where nobody was redeeming any of them. And then, you know, a couple months later, we, you know, in a self-deprecating way, just made fun of ourselves. Um, or we tried something that we thought was going to be like, you know, what a great way to reward our fans and, you know, have, a you know, gamify it a bit. Um, and then it ended up just being a bust. Like, I, I don't know if we didn't communicate it widely enough and if people weren't looking for them or, or if they didn't know where to look. Um, but for whatever reason, um, it, 12 pints were purchased. Uh, that people just threw away their golden ticket um, that was going to get them this you know trip to hawaii and, and all this other stuff so uh,
1: that is incredible i did not i truly didn't know that and uh, i'm glad you at least tried yeah. and i'm glad to i'm it's good to know that it's not as effective for the hyper growth that I'm looking for as I expected. We have
0: a couple of those and they're probably more fun than our marketing success stories is what are our, our cause again, we're always going to be the, the type to, Hey, let's take a chance and see what happens. Um, that one we, we all thought was going to be a big success. It wasn't, there's another one where my little brother joined Justin and I really early on and, and, you know, kind of w- was just there. I mean, he was, out in LA kind of doing the struggling actor thing. And instead of bussing tables, we said, Hey, you know, we've got enough work that can keep you busy. Why don't you just, um, come work for us for 10 bucks an hour or whatever it was. Um, so he was working with us, but always, we would always just laugh. Like one day we want to get a life-size pint suit and make Ryan put it on and, and walk around it. <laughs> and, uh, inevitably, uh, you know, once we could take that chance and, and build a pint suit, we did. suit, And we sent him to a college campus, thinking, "Oh, how fun! How funny will this be? Him walking around in a pint suit." And it was just another classic flop that nobody wanted him on campus. They were just annoyed to see the pint. And we cut it. He was supposed to be there three or four days. By like day two, we said, "Hey, catch the earliest flight home. Just get out of there." (laughs) You know, it's just, it's not working. Uh, It's you know, the the video video is awkwardly painful to watch. But um.
1: I, I wouldn't say massive flop. But you still got to torture your younger brother, which I think is every older brother's dream. That's, that
0: definitely makes it worth it for both Justin and I. We we always
1: there's you a you know there's a case to be made that you started the entire business just to have that moment. I, I'm not even kidding.
0: Uh, I, Justin and I would both agree. You know, the one thing we want to do. How do we define success when we can get Ryan in a, a life size pint suit and make him walk around it?
1: So. <laughs> um okay well doug thank you so much for coming on uh this was a lot of fun is there anything you want to plug uh you know instagram twitter articles people should read uh people should definitely go out and buy halo top Uh, what else can i help with
0: (laughs) i think we're good you know we're just you know not the type we're not on a book tour or anything yet but um look i i really appreciate the time billy like i said it's it's fun to um to kind of go down memory lane and, and, and have these types of of talks. So thank you. Thank you for having me on. And for the opportunity, I really appreciate
1: it. Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to take this opportunity to thank you all for listening. Um, This is a really fun project for me and I hope to continue it. I'll be releasing new episodes weekly, so if you like what you heard, please subscribe to the Making the Brand podcast in your podcasts app. And uh, we have some really fun guests coming up, so I think you'll really enjoy them. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.